you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! But you just did it again! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined today by Cousin Joe. What are you up to, yo Tennessee homer? What's that, baddie? This is all going good here. How's your quarantine? Hey, doing good. I mean, I can't tell what day, what week I'm in here. Feels like it's been about three months. I think it's been about three weeks. And every time I turn on the TV, see the news, every time I'm on Twitter, it's damn doom and gloom. But, you know, that's not what this podcast is, man. This is the only thing keeping me going. We got to keep pumping out SEC content, even though there's nothing out there. So, you know, if I'm not uh, worrying about dying, I'm thinking about SEC football. So I'd rather talk about SEC football. How about you? Oh, yeah, I'm totally down for it. I was glad Shane was, like, busy or whatever today because that gave me an opportunity to stop ordering Domino's and eating edibles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of uh, not having anything to do, remember a couple weeks ago, Kirby Smart came back from, I think he was in damn Costa Rica or something. But for those of you that don't know, old Kirby had to be self-quarantined. Thank God he did not have the coronavirus, but I think he was tested for it and he had to go to self-quarantine because anytime you come back from out of the country, you got to go into self-quarantine for 14 days. And what, even SEC coaches, everybody out there, what are they doing when they're staying at home on the weekends, not going out? They're watching the damn Tiger King. And then um, the Tiger King, I actually, everybody kept, I was like dying for shows to watch while I was during self-quarantine. And and I got through two episodes. I just couldn't do it, man. I couldn't stomach it. And everybody continues to talk about it. But I, my patience wears thin. I'm looking for a little more plot, I'm for a little more, uh, I don't know what the right word is. But that's not my cup of tea, I'll just say that. I'm more of an Ozark guy. All right, Joe. So Kirby Smart, I got to say, I appreciate these comments from him about the, the damn Tiger King. I can't jump online. I can't have a conversation with someone without this damn Tiger King being mentioned have you watched the tiger king that's what everybody wants to know thoughts on uh, kirby smart what he had to say about uh, giving up on the tiger king well first off didn't you just said he was down in costa rica was he down there looking for the tiger queen's husband <laughs> <laughs> yeah clearly i've watched it i don't get it either man i watched like the first two episodes and i was like oh my lord i was like this is this is horrible 
but after that, I kept hearing like rumors and stuff about it. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it another look. But I watched the whole thing, and the only thing that was worth any of it, I guess, was at the very end when you meet the nanny. I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, it was a great idea. <laughs> well, much like Kirby, I did. You know, I, I love documentaries. Also, I speed through these things on the weekend for sure, but I couldn't get through it either. I made it, uh, I made it about halfway through the first one, gave up on it. But the longer this day of quarantine goes, <laughs> I may just have to hop back on it and finally figure out what everyone's talking about. But I appreciated this comment from Kirby. We do that tell the truth <laughs> sequence here. These coaches don't tell the truth. This is Kirby Smart finally telling the truth, and I love it. Yeah, but you can tell that, you can tell that he's definitely being a little political correct on uh, <laughs> his response. <laughs> I don't want to listen to that shit. <laughs> All right, so show topic today, like I said, obviously nothing going on, uh, you know, all these damn, it depended on who you believe in the Twitter mob out there, there's not going to be a football season, Kurt Herbstreet's already out there saying he doesn't think there's going to be one, they could tell us, Cousin Joe, that there's 99% chance there's no football, and you're not going to hear me talking doom and gloom, you're going to hear me saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> like, like I'm holding on for dear life. So I'm not going to focus on the negativity uh, that hell, if, if it officially gets canceled, we'll find out about it and we'll tell all the listeners, but you know, everything I'm hearing from the sec, uh, they are fully on board with going ahead with the college football season. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that these universities, not, you know, the SEC programs, but there's a lot more colleges than just the SEC. They, a lot of them would just fucking go under the athletic departments I'm talking about here without a college football season. So you can bet there's going to be every avenue, you know, explored to get this season going. And I'm even hearing talk of them having the season starting at like in January. What are your thoughts on uh, pushing back the college football? I mean, I still think that's a little premature, but the point being is they're going to do everything they literally can to get this thing going yeah no i gave it a lot of thought i was like what are not only that but what are they going to do with like the football players like if you're a freshman this year are you a freshman again next year like they don't play like right. <laughs> like i don't understand it like uh, are they going to extend scholarships uh, you know like how is the university going to handle like i mean if you didn't play your senior year because you didn't have a senior year do you come back for another senior year just doesn't make any sense i'm confused with how it's going to work yeah, and then it, that would also mess up, I would think, like the NFL draft and, you know, who's eligible, you know, how many years are you removed from college football, and uh, there's just going to be so many issues that uh, I, at this point, I think they're good, like I said, I'm very optimistic that it will get played, and um, not, you know, not 100% sure it'll get, it'll get played, you know, in its entirety or as on the books right now, but whether they push it, whether they shorten the season, maybe just have the conference games. You know, I, I think even that is getting too far ahead of to even predict that. But I'm just here to say, like I said, if there's 1% chance it's going to happen, you're going to be hearing from me singing, uh, you know, looking forward to the season until they officially cancel it. Yeah, me too. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself if they cancel it. Like, I've already got chicken wings in the freezer, you know. I'm like, <laughs> 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 I, like – That'd be crazy. I hope not. All right. So the show topic for today, we had to come up, had to get creative here with something to talk about. So you ready to go around the league predicting the breakout players for all 14 SEC teams? 
Yes. Now let's go now around let's the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Uh, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. So when you say breakout players, are you just saying anyone you think is going to be good, or are you saying young players like freshmen, sophomores, young people that are on coming in? Well, that's a good question. I, it's kind of a mix, but what I really tried to do, you know, a lot of these players will be players that uh, fans are familiar with the name, but maybe I really tried to focus on guys that either, you know, have not played much at all and could have big seasons so there's not going to be a lot of true freshmen because I think that's so hard to do. But there are a couple on here. But what I'm really trying to focus on is guys that have not made a real impact yet for their SEC teams in conference play, but could be the stars of their team next season. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right. So let's start just going in alphabetical order here. So no favorites here. But Alabama. Roll time. Two guys, both on the offensive side of the ball. I think uh, one of these guys is an obvious candidate. The other one, people are still questioning why I got this going out there. But for me, the number one guy, I know they got Najee Harris coming back, but it's got to be the running back Trey Sanders. Missed all last year with the foot injury, but so much hype with this kid. And yes, I do think Najee Harris is going to have a huge season potentially next year for Alabama, but I would think they're not going to go Derrick Henry style with him they're not going to give him, you know, an insane amount of carries. I think they're going to let him uh, kind of shoulder the load here with Trey Sanders. So former five-star recruit Trey Sanders, number one running back in the nation, hopefully gets on the field, you know, is fully healthy next season. Uh, and then my other prospect here for Alabama, I've talked about this on a previous podcast here, Talia Tungavaloa, baby Tua. I think he's going to be the starting quarterback come October. Not having spring football really hurt Bryce Young, his chance to to win that starting job. I do think Mac Jones will be the starter coming out the season, but Talia takes it from him. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two selections? No, I think they're really good. Trey Sanders is a highlight reel. He's amazing. He's so explosive and fast, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a little bit more, I think Najee Harris is actually going to live up to the hype this year. Like, he's always been touted as this amazing running back. And he's had flashes, but he's never really been outstanding. But I think they're going to lean a lot more on the running game this year than they did in previous years because they don't have Tua. They have baby Tua, but I think he's going to have baby numbers. So, <laughs> see how it goes because I'm right there with you. I don't think Mac Jones is – I mean, he can manage it all right, but you don't want to be all right when you're Alabama. You want to be great. Mm -hmm. So. Definitely don't think he's going to be the uh, quarterback at the end of the season for sure. And what we've talked about all offseason, the trying to get Alabama's defense back to that elite status, 
you're going to want to lean on that running game on the offensive side. That's just going to help Nick Saban's defense kind of return to form, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's jump next to Arkansas. Woo pig! Where we got, uh, this is a shout out to Cousin Shane here because number one on my list, K.J. Jefferson, redshirt freshman quarterback. Of course, we saw him a little bit last year, but that was something that we had been calling for for much of the season. Chad Morris didn't really play K.J. Jefferson that much. And I know the Razorback fans are fired up about Felipe Franks, but kind of like Talia Tungavaloa, I think K.J. Jefferson is going to be the starting quarterback at Arkansas by the time the season ends. I think he's a perfect fit for what Kendall Bryles, the new offensive coordinator, is going to be doing there. So I really think K.J. Jefferson has a big year. And then one, another guy, a defender from last year's recruiting class, so another young player that's seen the field a little bit, but Jalon Catalan, the defensive back. Chad Moore said this is one of the best players he's ever seen in the high school ranks of Texas. And we all know Chad Moore's history in the Lone Star State as a high school coach. And this is a kid, an elite recruit. He's a little bit undersized, but I think uh, he's one of these players that, uh, looking back here in a couple years, I think they're going to say, how in the hell did uh, he get outside the state of Texas? He's such a great player. But I think a lot of it had to do with him. He, he got injured a little bit in high school, and like I said, he's a little bit undersized. I think he's going to be a star in Barry Odom's defense. Yeah, no, I agree with you on uh, Catalan. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, you said it, not me. I wasn't going to mention old Felipe Franks because I'm really curious about how that's going to work out. I'm going to see like, what happens when you have a coach that maybe won't coddle you like uh, Dan did. You know, mm-hmm. like, is he, is, is he, It's going to be up to him. Either Felipe Franks steps up and performs at a level that we didn't realize that he could do because he like manned up and he actually started playing football or he's going to fall apart, and then K.J. Jefferson is going to come in and crush it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. A couple other ones I think are pretty interesting. I've basically picked offense because the offense was garbage. But uh, I think Trey Knox, uh, mm-hmm. he could probably have a standout year, and I uh, look for old Boyd uh, to step it up, or Keem to step up and play a little bit better too because I think – Oh, Morris may be an offensive coordinator and great at that, but he was a horrible head coach. Yeah, and I think uh, that was a good selection there. Boyd, I think if he can be healthy the entire season, he's got the potential right. to not only be all SEC, but potentially all American. I mean, he could be one of the best running backs in the SEC next year. Yeah, I agree. He definitely made a smart decision to come back. Hopefully they play this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that hurt when you when you said that. All right, let's kick it. Let's kick it down to Auburn. Get ready, Tumor's corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Where I got a couple players on offense here, and I was looking for this guy to make a splash last season. Never happened. So I'm rebounding here. His redshirt freshman season, but Mark Anthony Richards was one of the top running back prospects in the nation. Chose Auburn over Florida. I think uh, with. What uh, the the offense that Chad Morris is bringing in there, I think they are going to lean a little bit more to the run game to help Bo Nix out. They never really could get that run game going in a lot of these marquee games they had last year, and that kind of exposed Bo Nix a little bit. So I think that's one to watch out for. And then, you know, Auburn's – I know they're handing it over to Chad Morris a little bit, but it's still going to be Gus Malzahn's offense. And he needs an H-back 
you know, the tight end slash fullback type guy. They've been missing that the 2018 season. And I think that's going to be Tyler Fromm, Jake Fromm's brother's redshirt freshman next year. I think he could step into that role, be kind of that missing chess piece that they didn't have on offense last year. And then finally, one guy that I'm really high on, we know all the losses that Auburn had on that defensive line this offseason. And one player that a lot of those uh, senior defensive linemen were touting up last offseason, the guy that impressed them the most, true freshman, now he's going to be a sophomore, Jaron Handy, defensive line. I would not be surprised at all if he's a starter day one heading into his second year at Auburn on the defensive line. What do you think of uh, those selections? Yeah, I like Handy, Andy, and hopefully Fromm's better than his brother. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see how he, how well he does in the pros, sort of. But uh, what about old Tank? I'm excited to see that guy. I don't think I think without Whitlow, they don't really have any standout halfbacks there. And uh, with a name like Tank, I'm excited just to see what he does with the ball. Yeah, and that that is a one position Tank Bigsby. Five-star running back just recently signed there this offseason with the Tigers. But that's the main position, obviously. You know, we see it in the NFL with rookies. We see it with these elite running backs in college football. That's the main position where you can just kind of come in day one and potentially be an all-star. So that's another another nice name there. Right. I even think, like, if you look back last year, Eric Gray he was a little bit smaller when he came in as a running back. Mm-hmm. But even he – had flashes and then they're toward the end of the year he's amazing right. so i'm excited to see what he does as a freshman all right let's jump on down to baton rouge it's my honor to present the national championship trophy to coach ed ogeron and the lsu tigers where this guy we were looking for him to make a huge impact last season didn't quite happen and now we all know the tigers switch into that 4-3 defense uh, remember this guy in the spring game I can't even say his first name, but I'm going to try here. Saik Ika, the big-ass, you know, 370-pound defensive lineman. They kind of put him as like a nose guard type in that 3-4. He he didn't really make up that big of an impact last year, like I said, but maybe switching to, you know, off the nose and more to a defensive tackle, I think he could be a difference maker for LSU. They're going to need some help there on that defense to just – you know, he may be more of a space eater type guy, but that could be incredibly valuable as they rotate to the 4-3. And then one guy I'm incredibly high on, Eric Gilbert, the five-star true freshman tight end. He's got a little Julio Jones to him. So I know LSU has lost a ton this offseason, but it, there's going to be, you know, production to go around. And I think Eric Gilbert's going to be one of the finest true freshmen in the next nation next season for LSU. Yeah, I think everybody in the world is excited to see Gilbert play football. I know I am. This is what LSU gets for being, you know, 15-0, and 0, winning the national championship. You can go into the state of Georgia and steal a prospect that the Bulldogs coveted, that Alabama coveted, and, yeah, that was a curveball when he picked LSU, but he maintained, and uh, that's, I mean, like I said, that's what you get for being a dominant elite team. You get one of the best players in the nation out of uh, – the you know the backyard of one of your main rivals yeah it looks like lebron james with football pads <laughs> well i got enough for you before you run off on lsu uh I'm go with old stingley but on the wide receiver oh curveball there yeah i think it's psych but uh <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's going to be pretty exciting. And I mean, if he really steps up and he's able to play wide receiver at even a moderately high level, you know, not as good as his defense, but then you got like another Charles Woodson or someone like that as possible Heisman candidate. Ooh, yeah, that's a nice one. I like that. I, I overlooked that one, but yeah, this is, I mean, this, they're going to need him too with, like I said, all they're losing, they're going to need Gilbert. They're going to need Stingley on that offensive side. If they're going to repeat as sec championship. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump on down to Ole Miss. Hotty Ole Miss. Where they got a damn demon down there that I'm excited to see. Demon Clowney, cousin of Jadavion Clowney. He was committed a long time to LSU. I think they kind of cut him loose. And, you know, you always hate to see that. But when a player like that signs with the division rival of a team that essentially cut him, you know he's going to be motivated to show LSU they did him wrong. And... You know, if there's one thing Ole Miss, they're going to have playing time for a kid like this, four-star outside linebacker. I think he's going to bring some much-needed pass rush to the Rebels. And then one name that Georgia fans are going to know, Otis Reese was one of the highest-rated safeties in the nation when he signed with Georgia. He has transferred to Ole Miss, seeking immediate eligibility. It's not yet granted for Reese, but I think uh, by the end of the summer here, they're going to just – let all these kids free from their, you know, waiver requests. So I think he's going to be eligible immediately. I think he's going to be a day one starter for Ole Miss. Yeah, I think so too. I'm also going to, I'm excited to see uh, the improvements of the quarterback position. I know Plumtree's fast and he's amazing, but I mean more like from the arm talent because you know you got Lane Kiff coming in there and he does magic with quarterbacks. So it doesn't matter who's starting or who's throwing. I think the offensive passing is going to be much improved. Blaine Kiffin is a magic man. I'll give him that. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. <laughs> All right, state of the state of Mississippi. Let's jump on down to Starkville. <laughs> With two guys here on my radar. And this is, uh, you know, Mississippi State fans are going to know this name. Starkville natives are certainly going to know this name. But true freshman receiver Rufus Harvey, he really fits the mold of what Mike Leach is looking for. little undersized, but very fast slot receiver type think of a Wes you know I want to call this kid Wes Welker because that's not a fair comparison but you know in that mold Rufus Harvey true freshman I don't think Mississippi State's going to have a ton of receivers that are ideal for Mike Leach's system but they got one here in the Starkville native I think he could put up huge numbers in his first year on campus and then they also landed another guy Alabama fans are going to be well aware of Offensive tackle Scott Lashley, graduate transfer. He's from the state of Mississippi, coming home, playing at Mississippi State. We obviously expect uh, the Bulldogs are going to throw it all over the yard. They're going to need Lashley to step into a starting role and be an elite pass protector for K.J. Costello or whoever the quarterback is next season. So Scott Lashley, Rufus Harvey, I think those are my breakout candidates for Mississippi State. Yeah, no, I totally agree with all that. All right, so let's jump next down to old Texas A&M. Where, you know, this time last year, it wasn't Jalen Wattemeyer we were talking about. It was Baylor Cup, nation's number one tight end prospect. He got banged up. I believe it was in preseason camp, lost for the season. So that was a tough blow there. But, you know, Jimbo Fisher has always made use of these tight ends in his system. And what's better than one tight end is two tight ends. I think Baylor Cup could really be someone that, uh, you know, Aggies haven't forgot about him, but maybe the rest of the SEC has. Now you're talking about potentially two 
of the most promising tight ends in the SEC on the same team. And then with the what the Aggies have lost, a couple guys early to the NFL, Demond Demas. <laughs> Great name. It's Demas, not dumbass. Right. Five-star receiver. I really expect uh, this kid, the only thing that could hold him back, because I think he will be an impact player year one, but uh, due to some damn crazy Texas high school rule, he had to sit out a senior year. He tried to transfer to another school, and then they kind of made him ineligible. So he's been without football for a year. But, you know, that could be the only thing standing in his way of uh, being an elite player. And I think uh, the Aggies are going to need him. And it, it, based on everything I've seen from this kid, I mean, we're talking top 10 overall prospect, not top 10 receiver, top 10 overall prospect. I think he makes an impact year one. Yeah, I agree. And this is the year for old Fisher down there, so we'll see what he does. And I like uh, your suggestion about the tight end. He does wonders with tight ends. Yeah, and his name's Cup. I mean, what's not to like? <sighs> All right, let's jump on down to Gainesville next, go over to the SEC East. We're two guys that uh, really expect to make the leap next year, both on the defensive side of the ball. Jadon Hill, the cornerback, is going to be on his second season there in Gainesville. I think uh, with his speed and versatility, they're going to need that on that Gators defense, which you know they bring back a lot in that secondary, but they've got some missing pieces there. So Hill was a, a massive, massive get for them in the recruiting trail. I think next year, after already seeing the field, next year is when he probably is going to start for the Gators. And then the biggest, they had several recruiting wins in the most current recruiting class, but true freshman Derek Wingo, outside linebacker. I mean, I think he's going to be a day one player for the Gators. Fills a position of need, not only a position of need, but one of the top linebacker prospects in the nation in the last recruiting cycle. Uh, I think uh, both my impact players here for the Gators are going to come from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It seemed like they came up a little bit short, so I'm excited to see the improvements next year. All right, let's jump down to Athens, Georgia, where we got uh, two five-star players here. One was several years ago. One was just coming off this most recruiting, this most recent recruiting class. But I'm going with uh, with all the losses they've lo- they've suffered on the offensive line. Jameer Salier, I think he finally gets into that starting position, and yes, Georgia's. Like I said, they've lost several linemen. I believe they lost four of their starting five. But, hell, when your backups are five stars, you know, there's not going to be much of a drop-off, in my opinion. And then, of course, one guy that many SEC fans have been coveting for about a year, six-foot-seven, five-star tight end, Darnell Washington. The Bulldogs desperate for some production there at the tight end position. I think Darnell Washington, if he's – you know, lives up to the billing there. He's going to see the field his first uh, season there at Georgia. Yeah. Could you imagine that Gilbert and Washington? Ooh, they- <laughs> <laughs> like, the biggest tight ends ever. Oh, yeah. No, he's another one I'm looking forward to seeing playing. Uh, another one on that list. Uh, I mean, he's good already, but Zamir White, I think with Swift gone, him stepping into that lead role, you're going to see uh, much bigger numbers. And I'm excited to see him healthy injury-free, and see what it can do. Mm-hmm. All right, next on the list, let's jump on down to Lexington. We're two guys we have hit on repeatedly here, but the way I look at Kentucky, I've said this many times, 
they just don't have a ton of true freshmen that are going to come in and play at that program. And that's not a slight to them because, hell, they just got probably the best recruiting class of all time. But just the way they develop talent down there in Lexington, I mean, they've got, you know, upperclassmen that are just now seeing the field because it takes time to get into their system. They're so deep. So I don't know. It, this just isn't Kentucky of old where, you know, you can sign an elite player and he'll be rushed on the field. So I'm going with two players that we already know, yet they've not done anything yet at Kentucky, and that's Kelvin Joseph, who they've already named as a starting cornerback for the Wildcats. I think he's going to be their best defensive back next season. And Joey Gatewood, I love, I just really love his game, and I think he's – while I thought he was a fit at Auburn, I don't think they gave him a fair opportunity. So if he gets that here with Kentucky, his rushing, his passing, his power, uh, I, I think he's going to be very, very hard to keep off the field. Even if Terry Wilson is a starter, even if Terry Wilson plays the entire season without getting hurt, which, which hopefully he, you know, we're hoping that he get makes it through the entire season. I think Joey Gatewood is going to be too good to keep off the field if he gets that immediate eligibility. And like I said, I think all these guys across college football are going to be uh, made immediately eligible before the football season starts. No, I agree. I'm excited to see Joey Gatewood because everybody's talking about Wilson and all that, but I, I don't know if they remember how well he passed or lack thereof. It was just <laughs> like he was like thrown up in the air. It was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but another one I'm looking forward to is, uh, was his name, Josh Holly? Mm-hmm. Water on there. Uh, I mean – they, they didn't have any throwing last year. It's understandable. They didn't have a quarterback. But I, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of improvement there. All right, next team on the list here. Let's jump to Missouri. M-I-Z! And this was the team I thought it was the most difficult to really pick some breakout players just because not entirely you know, familiar with uh, Drinkwitz's system. We didn't get to spring game to see what they were having. But, you know, we know – that uh, Coach Drink's an offensive guy. He's going to be calling the plays. So I think the offense, it's not necessarily going to be dynamic immediately, but I think we're going to see the position that improves the most from year one in his system is the receiver position. So I'm going with two receivers. They got a Virginia Tech graduate transfer named Damon Hazleton. He, and this was a very good player at Virginia Tech, so I think he's going to be the number one option at Missouri that's probably what they sold him on coming to the SEC, being a number one target in this league. That's got to be very attractive to a, you know, a player trying to get to the NFL. And then a true freshman they just signed from the state of Alabama, Chris Adams Drain. This guy had a weird recruitment. He was once committed to Alabama, once committed to LSU. I know Tennessee was trying to get him at one point. I think he may have even been committed to Ole Miss. I mean, he was committed to half the SEC here, but. That just gives you an indication of how many SEC schools wanted him. He ends up at Missouri. Chris Adams, Drain, Damon Hazelton. Those are my two breakout players for the Tigers. Yeah, I was. I don't really know much about Missouri. It's a big question mark. See what Drinkwitz is going to do down there. Do you have any idea who their starting quarterback is going to be? Yeah, I mean, most people thought it was going to be Sean Robinson, the transfer from TCU. He had to sit out last season, but you know. Drink was very clear, you know, maybe it's just coach speak, but in, you know, when they opened camp, he said he's not been given anything. He's got to earn, you know, all his reps and whatnot. So I think it's going to be Sean Robinson, but, you know, we didn't even get to see him play. So yeah, that's 
their entire team is just, at least on the offensive side, is a complete mystery at this point to me. Right, that's where I'm at. I'm curious to see what the quarterback can do with all the weapons that they just got in. All right, let's jump on down to the other Columbia, Columbia, South Carolina. We're no surprise here. We've already talked up this kid. He was basically the star of the spring because we had such a limited spring here. But Marshawn Lloyd, the true freshman running back, it's got to begin and end with him at South Carolina being an impact player. And then another guy, I know we keep talking about their loaded defensive line, but uh, so there's plenty of five-star dames to throw out there, some elite four-stars. But one player that's been on campus for two years now, going into his second year, getting a new position coach, I think he's going to be an impact player for the Gamecocks next year, and that's Joseph Anderson, who really uh, you know shined a little bit last spring. It didn't translate to the fall, but uh, you know I just think in the SEC it's a lot to ask. A lot of these linemen to come in and make an impact year one year two is when that's a lot more realistic so you know I, you know it could would have been very easy to say zach pickens or or a player of that caliber but i'm going joseph anderson as my breakout player for south carolina yeah i'm excited to see lloyd he's amazing looking what about jordan birch yeah that's another one i i wanted to pick him but i thought that would be a little bit too too easy of a selection oh, yeah. but yeah i mean hell he's going to get on the field for sure but we'll kind of like I was saying with Joseph Anderson and kind of like Zach Pickens last year, is how realistic is it for a freshman to come in and be a star in the SEC on the line of scrimmage? I don't know if that's realistic or not, you know? No. I mean, you can go back 100 different people. It's just all the hype, and it usually takes them until sophomore, junior year to even like show mm-hmm. up. All right, here we go. Your boy's here. Sh- uh, <laughs> almost got you, Shane. Your, boy, your oh. boy's here, Cousin Joe. Tennessee. Balls are back. Before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we plays as. I'm going with Ramel Keaton, receiver, going into his second season. A Pruitt guy here who flashed a little bit. Obviously, Tennessee had some studs at the receiver position last year, so they didn't really need him to step up, but... You know, he started to shine there towards the end of the season, made some big catches against uh, South Carolina um, in the bowl game when Juwan Jennings was suspended for the first half. It was Keaton that made the big play, I, I believe it was. And then at defensive back, you know, they're going to have Nigel Warriors gone. Who's going to step up? I think that's going to be Jalen McCullough, who really, really started to come on towards the tail end of the season, uh, looked really good in the bowl game. What are your thoughts on those two selections? And you got anyone else for us? Yeah, I think Keaton's going to be good. I liked his flashes and Jalen. I just like how he hit. It always seemed like he just dropped a hammer whenever he came in for a tackle and definitely got a few more for you. Uh, I, de- I think, uh, what is his name? Q Crouch. Oh, yeah. He's going to show sure. Oh, guns himself. <laughs> I want to see him flex. But uh, I, my favorite part of last year is when they went goal line and put him in there. You know, because he just just tanked and trucked over everybody. Mm-hmm. He looked like the bus and, back and, uh, there. I know, right? He's just so – his center of gravity was so low. He's not the fastest in the world, but, man, he just – no one stopped him. As long as they gave the ball to him and didn't try to, like, do a liberty over the top, you know? <laughs> oh! Uh, another one is D'Angelo Gibbs. I'm curious to see what he does and if he shows up on offense. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a good one I overlooked, but – yeah, D'Angelo Gibbs, a lot of talk about him emerging as a potential starter at receiver. And 
the former Georgia transfer had to sit out last year, but that's a good one. Uh, you know, obviously could have went Cade Mays too, but uh, that was probably a little bit too obvious of a selection. But hell, Tennessee may have a lot of new faces next season. That's true. Hopefully, we have a good quarterback. Next, Steve Lawrence, to be last team on the list here. Let's jump all down to Vanderbilt. Take it down. Where I got uh, two relatively new faces here: Malik Langham, former Florida signee, transferred to Vanderbilt, defensive end. I think uh, Vanderbilt desperately needs help with the pass rush, so that's kind of why I went with Langham there. And then we've another team that got a little bit more spring practice than the most of the SEC, Vanderbilt, rolling out with Ken Seals, the true freshman. Based on everything I'm hearing uh, down here in Nashville, that uh, seems like Ken Seals has really, you know, surprised a lot of people. And you know, I'm not saying he's going to be the starter for Vanderbilt, but I think he he did himself a ton of favors by his showing here in the spring. And, hell, he may just be the a true freshman starting quarterback for Vanderbilt next season. Yeah, I'm going to go with the interim coach when Mason gets fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know a single name on Vanderbilt's team because I'm just like, wow. Like, didn't they lose like 12 quarterbacks this year? Yeah, they, lo- they lost and the like, entire depth still- chart of quarterbacks. Seals is definitely the best recruit, so that's who I go with too. Yep, I think he's going to be standout. <laughs> oh, I just wish they take it seriously, you know. God, invest in your program, make it better, build it up. Like I, I'm glad Tennessee owns the state, but yeah, it's sad to see Vanderbilt be so bad sometimes. All right, well, that's all I've got on this one. Like I said, not a ton of news to go around. Uh, just people speculating on whether there's going to be a damn season played but you're not going to get that from us we're we're fully on board with the season being played if there's any news on that front we'll be sure to bring it to you Uh, but until then you know just trying to come up with ideas or throw out something to talk about here in these trying times trying to give you guys your minds off all this garbage here and on back onto the sec so i appreciate you hopping on with me here cousin joe you got anything else before we hop off no, I just want everybody to be safe. Hello, bro. I know you're listening. Miss you, buddy. Um, other than that, no. Uh, if I'm just saying if. That 0.1% that we don't watch football. God, wouldn't it be cool if they released NCAA football again? <laughs> we could do a dynasty with all the fans and like have a prize and like winner takes. I don't yeah, know. if EA Sports is out there, if they're listening, if they're on their quarantine get your ass you know you can work remotely i we we recommend you work remotely of course but uh, how about you work on that ncaa for us brother and uh, exactly. make this quarantine a little bit a little bit easier yep software engineering graphic designs from computer you can do it from your house You're safe <laughs> let's get on top of it let me know if you need more ideas all right so that's going to do it on this one uh, hope you guys enjoyed this show let us know what you think give us a rating and review of course on uh, apple Podcasts, all that jazz we really do appreciate each and every one of those but that's going to do it thanks for joining me cousin joe thank you everyone for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one thank you wash your hands